When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Dan, and you know what I've got to tell you about Football Insider. Make sure you go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the information about how you can get access to our exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. Get a daily newsletter with exclusive content right in your inbox every single day and get an opportunity to be part of our texting subscriber service where me, Mary Kay, Scott Ellis will text you throughout the day with news, information, analysis. We do a post-game show with our text subscribers. We have a text subscriber on every single week to pick games with us on this podcast. It's your chance to get to exclusive content and to get involved. Check that out. Go to cleveland.com slash browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page for more info and to get signed up. Here's our podcast for today. Hey everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great today, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well, and also Ellis Williams joining us. Ellis, how are you? I'm cool, man. Uh, the World Series ended last night. I don't know a thing about baseball <laughs> other than the fact that my grandmother has not seen the Twins win a playoff game in 18 seasons, despite them having like 40 tries. But just want to say shout out to Major League Baseball. In the summer, we all thought that wasn't going to work out, and they found a way to do it. NBA crowned champion, NHL crowned champion, and you know the NFL is hell bent on crowning Super Bowl champion. So here we are. <laughs> well, and the NFL probably can't do any worse than having someone test positive in the middle of a game and have to get pulled out and then be a part of the celebration. So that the bar is is fairly low for what they have to do from here. Uh, all right, so we're, the Browns play the Raiders this week, and you know we were talking a little bit before I hit record here about you know, what we're thinking about picking this week. And, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's some arduous process because we really do just kind of, you know, I email you guys and you guys send me back picks. And I don't know that we all spend hours and hours researching this stuff, but I I thought maybe what we can do is, is talk about, you know, how the Raiders might win on Sunday and how the Browns might win on Sunday. So if we each come up with one thing and let's just start with the, let's be positive right off the bat. Um, If the Browns win on Sunday, you know, what, why is that going to happen, Mary Kay? Well, if, if the Browns win on Sunday, I think it, it will be uh, because of a pretty balanced offensive t- attack against their 26th ranked defense and 28th against the pass. They don't get takeaways. 
they don't get a lot of pressure. Baker Mayfield functions much better when he doesn't have a lot of pressure in his face, when he has a little bit of time to kind of stand back there and go through his progressions. And that's the kind of game it should be for him. He should be able to, uh, in some cases, pick his poison. And I don't care what anybody says, uh, Baker Mayfield uh, does do a better job of spreading the ball around and going through his progressions and finding guys to get the ball to, uh, you know, when he doesn't have Odell. So I actually think that, uh, you know, this, this notion that, you know, we've talked about this a lot, this notion that he's, that the Browns are better off with Odell is ridiculous because we know what he is, but Baker Mayfield I think sometimes does feel more comfortable throwing the ball to Richard and throwing the ball to other people. So I actually think that, um, that he will fare pretty well against this defense. Yeah. I mean, Ellis, what that, that we saw it against Cincinnati, right? How good Baker is when there isn't a lot of pressure. Uh, you know, I thought it was, this was actually his fastest time to throw uh, this week of the season. And I think that just has to do with him you know, he's dropping back and he feels comfortable and just making his reads. He's not dropping back and then escaping the pocket. I felt like that was his best game as far as navigating the pocket too. So um, yeah, I mean, the Browns should be able to kind of do what they want to do this week offensively again. Yeah, really. I, I think we're watching Baker Mayfield now progress into a progression reader of the field. And with Odell Beckham Jr. off the field, he doesn't feel reliant on knowing where 13 is all the time. And I want to be clear, that's a Baker Mayfield problem, not an Odell problem. It's not like Odell was demanding the football and, you know, screaming in Baker's ear in the huddle, look at me. That's a quarterback for whatever reason, just zeroing in on a guy and saying the heck with my reads without Odell on the field. He's not that player. And he is a operator who just spreads the ball around and, if he continues that, then I think Mary Kay's on to something because this offense now is going to be predicated on Baker Mayfield's reads rather than explosive plays from Odell Beckham Jr. or Nick Chubb, who's still out. Okay, Ellis, give us uh, reason number two the Browns will win on Sunday. I think these Browns receivers are, have an opportunity to really step up and continue to make plays in the absence of Odell Beckham Jr. So, I mean, of course, it's, it's tied hand-in-hand hand. Baker Mayfield playing better and continuing off the momentum from Cincinnati. But those catches that, I mean, he talked about it today, that catch that Richard made is, is it really needs to be a catch of the year candidate. That is one of the most difficult balls a receiver can make and go up and get uh, the way he opens his hips and pirouetted like that. It's a, it's an impressive catch and it came at a time when both the Browns needed it most and a lot of people probably the degree of difficulty on that catch. You just don't expect, even if he gets his hands on the ball, to complete it when he comes to the ground. So guys like Rashard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones and now Cordero Hodge coming back have a real opportunity to make a name for themselves outside of just beating up the Bengals. Yeah, you know what? Again, Once again, they're going against a 28th-ranked pass defense. So, uh, you know, I think that we should – try to be a little cautious once again, when we watch the offense operate and, you know, the drum beat might get going again after this game. See, there's so much better without Odell Beckham Jr. That's all it takes. But when you're playing against the 28th ranked pass defense uh, it's probably going to have 
a tendency to look like that. Again, especially if Baker's not getting a ton of pressure in his face. So as we move through these next weeks, uh, I, I think, and we did this at the end of 2018 as well, I think people get a little too caught up in, um, you know, the numbers that are occurring and forget to take into account who some of those numbers are occurring against. So just everybody needs to temper the enthusiasm just a slight, slight bit against inferior defenses. Yeah, and I'm curious to see how these guys all sort of slot in now, that domino effect, because you had a pretty clear pecking order. You had Beckham, you had Landry, your third receiver was really more out there, uh, you know, kind of the Daryl Hodrell, right? Kind of a speed guy, but also could block. They, they don't go more than three receivers very often, uh, if they ever do at all. Um, I'm, so I'm curious to see now, you know, is Kaderil Hodge suddenly your number two receiver? Maybe it's probably Richard Higgins and then Hodge is your three, but you know, there, there is a domino effect there when you don't have Odell Beckham. And I, I do want to see how teams, how, how a defense and maybe the Raiders aren't going to be a great example, but I want to see how they adjust now. You know, are they going to maybe sneak up a little bit and, and try and stack the box against the run, especially in a game when Nick Chubb is not playing. Yeah, Dan, I'm really glad you mentioned that yeah. because I, I, I said these young receivers have an opportunity because I don't know which one it's going to be. It just, we don't know how this is going to fall. And Kevin Stefanski said it on Monday, I believe, you know, you don't replace Odell Beckham Jr. with one guy. So perhaps you could see Cordero Hodge have two catches for 44 yards, you know, two big 20 yard gains. And you see Richard Higgins maybe have five grabs for more of the, the, the first down and, one explosive play. And then you have Jarvis Landry pick up the, the, the tough third down catches, you know, that that's the, that's how these receivers can complement each other. But like exactly what you said, we don't know how this is going to shake up and that's, what's going to be so fascinating about Sunday. And I think the thing to consider too, is that Kadero Hodge is coming off of uh, three weeks off with a hamstring injury. And I'm sure he's probably going to be pretty limited in practice all week. So I would have to think uh, that, because he's easing back into practice this week and easing back into the lineup, I don't think that they're going to expect him to play 90% of the snaps. I would probably go with Richard Higgins over him this week because of that. Okay. Uh, for me, if the Browns win on Sunday, I think it's going to be a very common refrain. I think the guy we're going to be talking about is Miles Garrett. Uh, I think Derek Carr is very much a, uh, you know, he gets rid of the ball quick. Okay. That's certainly a strength of his and, you know, the Raiders have only given up 11 sacks this season. So I don't know that that means miles Garrett is going to, you know, have another multi-sack game to game on Sunday. Um, You know, I think Las Vegas is a team that like, like I said, they get the ball out quickly. Uh, They have a tight end who who can make plays in, in the short passing game, but I think miles Garrett can still be disruptive. And I think if he's disruptive, maybe he does get a strip sack. I, I don't know. I mean, Derek, the, the Raiders have fumbled the ball a, a number of times. It's the one, one way they have turned it over. They went through a stretch where I think they fumbled six times in three games. So, uh, you know, maybe Miles Garrett can make an impact like that as well. But even if he doesn't get a bunch of sacks, I, I think he can disrupt the timing of this Raiders offense. And so I think like we have in so many other games, and this is a really obvious one, and I'm glad you guys left it for me. I, I think Miles Garrett, is the guy we'll be talking about again if the Browns win on Sunday. Yeah, that's a good point. And the other thing, um, you know, I, I was on a conference call with John Gruden today and, and I was asking him, 
you know, what, you know, what's going so well with Derek Carr. And he talked about a lot of different things, mostly the fact that uh, he's got a better supporting cast this year. And that is true. Uh, But, and he also added that if our offensive line were healthy, that he thinks Derek Carr would be doing that much better. So therefore, uh, whenever Miles sees an opening in an offensive line, he's going to attack it. It doesn't matter what position that player plays. Now, teams have been chipping him more and double teaming him more. That's what you do to a guy that has, uh, you know, a, you know, it leads the NFL with nine sacks and four strips and all that kind of stuff. You do the best you can. But um, there are some injury issues uh, for the Raiders, and he will try to exploit them. Yeah, Mary Kay, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the Raiders right tackle Trent Brown was on the COVID list last week, so he did not play. I'm unsure what his status is for, for what that means this week. But in that same game, his backup was then hurt, and Richie Incognito's hurt, one of their guards. And I believe they had even another guard get hurt in that same game. So they are just depleted on the offensive line. And we know what Miles Garrett does to inferior offensive linemen. See the Cowboys game, see these Bengals games. He eats them up. Uh, I was talking with a friend just about how the speed of the NFL is so much different than college football. And Miles sack on Joe Burrow last week is such an example of that. You could tell Joe Burrow trying to escape to his right, thought he had way more time than he had with Miles Garrett hawking from behind. And he just came and gobbled him up. The only better hawking came in Sunday night football when DK, DK Metcalf chased down Muda Baker and uh, you know, went viral with probably a play of the year candidate there. But if you're in company with Metcalf and any sort of athletic accomplishment, you're in, you're in good company. Yeah. But I'm always, uh, I'm always impressed with how fast miles moves around. Uh, just it, it also just sometimes how much bigger he looks, you know, uh, amongst all these NFL players, just how much bigger he looks, you know, the, the arm, like all of that stuff. You just see how special he isn't. And John Gruden, of course, Mary Kay, you said it, he said he wishes he had miles Garrett and right. The response is, Hey buddy, you had Khalil Mack. You, you traded him away. <laughs> yeah. He, he, yep. he might not be Miles Garrett, but he's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that, a couple of years ago, he was better. So I don't know. I don't know, John. That, that would have been one heck of a follow up question. Uh, John, you want Miles Garrett, but would you be willing to pay him? Yeah. And uh, the, the, uh, the conference call got off, got cut off very quickly. We didn't have uh, too many opportunities for follow-up questions today, but the other thing to consider about Miles Garrett this week is he was not outside today, not even outside on the bike or anything like that. Of course, if you have some kind of an ankle injury, you don't want to be riding a bike probably, but he wasn't even out there doing anything. Um, so you know, sometimes they give a guy a veteran day of rest a little bit. And this could be one of those situations where let Miles just take it easy on Wednesday, rest up his body, get feeling a little bit better. And uh, coach said he thinks he should be back in practice Thursday or Friday or, you know, sometime later in the week. So hopefully for the Browns, the ankle isn't anything serious whatsoever. And Miles will get to be Miles. Opposing coach conference calls are always... They're always fun. <laughs> you you never know. You never know quite what you're going to get out of an opposing yeah. coach conference call. Sometimes they're really great. Other times, I, mean, I don't think Mike Tomlin has ever answered a question for us. <laughs> well, Mike Tomlin's, Mike Tomlin's conference call this year was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> it was just technically an absolute disaster. Uh, and, 
yeah, so it was a joke. I, we felt bad. I almost like had to like send him a, a snail mail note just saying, sorry about that. It was an embarrassment. Dan, I think we may have found a new segment uh, each week, Mary Kay. How was the coach's conference call this week? <laughs> yeah. We'll pop off for a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> My favorite is that in normal years, we're, we're all in the media room and they, they pipe the conference call in just over the line for everyone. So they call into a PR and, and the best, usually what happens is, is, you know, they pick up the phone and it's a communication staffer who's like, hey, I've got so-and-so on the line. With John Harbaugh, they pick up the phone and he says, hey, it's John Harbaugh. And we just, we just get started. It's like he's calling us up. All right. We're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about what the Raiders will have to do, three things the Raiders will have to do if they win on Sunday. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ellis Williams. And now we're going to flip it to the other side, the pessimistic view. If the Raiders win on Sunday, it will be because of Mary Kay. Give us our first reason. You know what? I'm going to go with just the opposite of what I did for the Browns. I'm going to say it's going to come down to Derek Carr having the kind of Derek Carr games he's been having this season. He has 13 touchdowns. He's got only two interceptions so far this year. Uh, He is third in the NFL with a 112 rating, and he is completing 72% of his passes. Now, as we mentioned before, if they are banged up on the offensive line and Miles gets rolling along, uh, it's going to be hard for Derek Carr to have that kind of a game. But if he gets hot, if he gets rid of the ball quickly, if they rely on their running game, and if they can find a way to chip and double-team Miles and, um, and try to minimize his damage a little bit, then Derek Carr can go out there and, and just – be the great quarterback he's been so far this season. Yeah, Derek Carr is one of those interesting guys who, um, I, it's weird, I still don't know if we know who he is. A few years ago, he was like an MVP candidate. And ever since Gruden took over, it's kind of like, is he the right guy for that that offense and, and whatever? But, I mean, Ellis, when he's on, when he's playing well, he can be really effective and, and that team can move the football. Yeah, that's exactly it, Dan. I mean, in week two, Derek Carr um, in the Las Vegas Raiders home opener went face-to-face with Drew Brees and just crushed him. Three touchdowns, uh, I believe 300 and something passing yards, 324 off the top of my head and like a 72% completion percentage. Uh, Tight end Darren Waller had 12 catches that game. Uh, And then just a couple weeks ago, they beat the Chiefs in Kansas City. You know, so those are head-to-head wins against uh, two former league MVPs and really two hall of famers already, you know, Pat Mahomes is 25, but we know that where he's headed and that's Derek Carr out dueling two of the game's best quarterbacks. It's, it's just, it's, that's as impressive as it gets, but then it's those low moments, you know, you get smacked around uh, by Tampa Bay and, and that, that might be the best defense in football. I understand that, but there's just highs and lows with Derek Carr, but Mary Kay's right. He's not turning the football over. And this is a defense in the Browns that, need to create turnovers, so something's got to give here and I wouldn't be surprised if it's Derek Carr who protects the football and 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 think about this you guys um you know this Browns defense struggled against you want to talk about a a line that was having issues I mean in Cincinnati they lost their starting center in the first half of the game they lost their starting left tackle in the first half of the game I believe they lost another guard right in the second half of the game so they were holding to get it together with smoke and mirrors uh, so 
you know, this, this could be interesting. The Browns defense obviously has its issues and there are weapons. There are weapons on this team. And, and it's such a different passing attack than I think what Cincinnati brings. Um, yeah, you know, not that Joe Burrow really slings the ball down the field all the time, but he's more aggressive. I think he's a guy that he's going to try and fit that ball into a tight window and take chances. And, and Derek Carr is, is not really that guy. And when they go downfield, LSU mentioned Henry Ruggs, uh, Nelson Aguilar, they're using downfield a lot, but I don't know. I mean, Aguilar had a couple drops in that game. A couple of footballs go off his hands. I don't know how reliable those receivers are downfield. Ruggs is obviously a rookie. We haven't, don't have a huge sample size on him, but we know his speed. Um, it, we'll see. We'll kind of see what Derek Carr can do, but th- this team might be able to dink and dunk against these linebackers and safeties uh, all the way, all the way down the field. This is going to be a very, this is a possession game for sure. Yeah. Uh, last, last thing on Gruden quickly, Dan, you're right. It, it is, it remains to be seen if those receivers are proven consistent deep downfield threats, but Gruden's going to dial up a couple shots. You know, oh, he's yeah. going to take them and the Browns need to be ready for him. Okay. Ellis, give us a second reason why the Raiders might win. Yeah. Listeners, forgive me here. This is going to be coach speak. I'm just going to give you some coach speak. This isn't uh, data and film analysis or anything like that, but I think this is one of the rare moments where it's, it's going to hold a lot of power and impact in this game. Uh, the, if the Raiders come out with more energy than the Browns, they're going to win this football game. And I, the reason I'm saying that is because teams that tend to come off all-time season highs, I mean, that was as emotional a win as the Browns have had yet this year, um, scoring in the final drive, Baker Mayfield's throwing five touchdown passes all from the pocket, distributing the football, and doing so in a game that they later dedicated to Odell Beckham Jr. towards ACL, of course. That's quite a high high and I understand that Kevin Stefanski is a professional buttoned up adult in that room in that building in that locker room and he will have his guys ready to play but here's where the second part of this comes in the reality is this the Browns offense doesn't have Odell Beckham Jr. it doesn't have its best tight end in Austin Hooper and Nick Chubb still isn't back so if your offense starts slow and these Raiders score you know touchdowns on their first two drives maybe get to 17 points and all of a sudden you're flat and behind, it might just be one of those games where the bye week is in the back of everyone's mind. They know they can get there, get healthy, and be a new team, possibly with Nick Chubb coming back on the other end. It's in a way, it's, I'm probably just describing a trap game here, um, being at home and whatnot, but it's going to come down to energy because it, if you pull this back, it, the Browns are up against a lot here. This is, this is a tougher game than just the opponent they're facing. They've got some, some tough injuries right now and just the emotional roller coaster this team has been on over this week you know I, I agree with you Ellis that it that it could come down to those kinds of intangibles and those are excellent points that you make um, and I, I do agree with you there but I also listened to did you guys hear um, Kevin Stefanski in the locker room after, yeah. after this game? I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say the same thing yep. yeah so I'll tell you what if you guys if a coach offers players, it does not take much. If they, <laughs> if they know that they're going to get a little extra, like one day off on the bye week to win a football game, I'm telling you, I've seen it happen year after year yeah. after year. That is such tremendous incentive for these players. You would think, you know what I mean? That you would think yeah. that they would say, you're each going to get 50 cents if we win. And, <laughs> but, <laughs> and 
mean, but like somehow it works. Like mm-hmm. it works like a charm. And I think that Kevin Stefanski is going to ask these guys to leave it all out on the field, to go out there in front of their home fans and to say, look, you guys can be six and two going into the bye week. If you do this, I'm going to take care of you. We'll be out of here by whatever, Tuesday or Wednesday or maybe something else. And, uh, you know, just give it every single thing that you have. And I think they're going to come out with their hair on fire. You know, Mary Kay, I don't know if you remember this, and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but didn't Greg um, in 2018 give them like just, they had the victory Monday and he was just like, we're good. Take your victory Monday and we're good for the week. I mean, normally it's, you get Wednesday through Sunday or maybe Thursday through Sunday, depending on on the coach. Uh, But Greg was just like, I'm giving you guys the whole week off. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what Kevin is thinking in the back of his mind. You know, you go in this game, I get to give you guys a victory Monday yeah. And we'll see you guys a week later. Yeah. You know what? It, it wouldn't surprise me. And I think it's, I think it's going to work. I really do. Yeah. Well, he's going to have to do something like that to motivate these guys to make up for the lack of horses they have, because the, the back end of this, don't forget is the fact that Odell's gone, Nick Chubb's still not back and Austin Hooper isn't playing. And it, you can give those incentives, but if, if the talent doesn't meet the, the call, then that's where I worry this offense might just kind of stall out at times. The other thing I want to mention that impressed me with that speech was how he really was, you know, focused on, I mean, he was talking about Oakland, uh, Oakland. He was talking about Las Vegas. In my defense, I think he almost said Oakland too. (laughs) Probably. I'm going to get that down by Sunday. I'm going to stop saying Vegas or stop saying Oakland and start saying Vegas. I can't even get that part right. But he was talking about the Las Vegas Raiders in the locker room after that win. Like he was really turning that page forward. And, and that sort of kind of goes with everything we know about Kevin Stefanski so far and everything we've had a chance to learn about Kevin Stefanski. Okay. So if the Raiders win on Sunday, it will be because I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I do think this is going to be a game. You know, Kevin Stefanski really values possessing the football. He thinks that's, you know, Possession, 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 right? That's what he talks about. And we've seen those four-minute drives at the ends of halves. We've seen that ability to, to kind of control the game with possession. And I think that can go the other way. I think the Raiders have the ability to also control the game with possession. I do think John Green thinks a little bit like that too. Uh, they have a pretty good running back in Josh Jacobs. So I think that the way the Raiders win is not to play keep away necessarily, because I don't know if that exists in the NFL, but – if they're able to kind of control possession and keep that Browns offense over on the sideline a little bit, not let Kareem Hunt get loose, not let, not let Baker Mayfield get that rhythm, which I think is so important for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that could be something we're talking about if the Raiders win this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. Absolutely. That, uh, that they're going to need to try as best they possibly can uh, to keep their offense on the field and, you know, I don't, again, with all the banged up guys that they have on their offensive line, I don't know how they're going to try to manage Miles Garrett, but they can win the game if either Miles Garrett ankles, his ankle hurts a lot, or if they can manage him somehow. And they're going to need to do that however they can. Chipping, double team, again, we've talked about this before. Uh, they, they can do that, and they can possess the ball and, and keep it going if, if they don't let him wreck it. Yeah, Dan, it's it's a great point because John Gruden knows how bad his defense is, and the best way to protect that defense is to just not have them on the field. So keep the ball. 
uh, when the Raiders beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago now, they possessed the ball 11 minutes longer than Kansas City, ended up winning 40-32, to 32, the Raiders did. But they only ran one more play than the Chiefs, and I thought that was really impressive. You know, they, they were confident and cool about their game plan. Didn't They weren't scared of third downs, and you had the ball for 11 minutes longer than Pat Mahomes did, and that won them the game. So Baker's not Pat Mahomes, of course. That's not the point. But if Gruden is able to play his brand of football, there's just going to be less opportunity for the Browns offense. Yeah, I, I always love to look at the uh, the football outsiders drive stats, and I pulled them up here. I was looking at them last night, and I wanted to pull them up to make sure I have this right. These are fairly similar offenses when it comes to, um, mm-hmm. you know, like their drive success rate. Uh, Las Vegas is eighth. The Browns are ninth. Uh, points per drive, Las Vegas is sixth. The Browns are ninth. Uh, I mean, these teams in a lot of these areas, uh, football outsiders tracks for drive stats. I mean, they're both about equally efficient, and they're both – pretty high up in those efficiency numbers there's you know there's some little areas here and there where one team is you know in the top 10 and the other team is in the bottom third but for the most part these are two very efficient offenses here early in the season and you know it's certainly not a surprise with Kevin Stefanski because we know how analytics driven he is and and this whole organization but you know I think John Gruden was maybe playing a little uh (laughs) when he was making fun analytics a few years ago at the combine I think he was more uh doing the media thing than actually uh, I think he, I think we see more and more that he sort of buys into that stuff too. These are two very efficient offenses. And I think that's why we might see, you know, it might not be 37, 34, but this could be one of those games where both teams end up in the twenties and, and they still have trouble stopping each other. It's just maybe they possess the ball a little longer than what we're seeing uh, in the, the Browns Bengals game. Yeah. In today's NFL, it could just come down to what quarterback has the ball last. We saw that last week with the Browns and you know, I'm, I'm wondering if this game may have playoff implications at some point, but it does just land, it lands at a tough time for the Browns just considering their health. Cause I, I think that bye week is so crucial coming up. Okay. And, and sometimes, oh, ahead, sometimes a game like this comes down to which quarterback is, is going uh, to, to be the better quarterback in the game and yeah. heading into this game, Derek Carr has been the better quarterback so far this season. Uh, so, you know, will that show up in this game and will that be a factor? Uh, you know, when I look at that, I think, okay, obviously that means they're going to win, win the game, but there's always, as John Gruden said it today, the miles Garrett factor. He is a factor player. If those guys had Khalil Mack on their side and the Browns had miles Garrett, then it would sort of be like, okay, but miles Garrett, as we know. Can, can be the X factor in this game. Yeah, I think just off the top of my head, even with Odell out, it's safe to say the Browns just have more of those like individual star players that can change a game uh, than, than the Raiders do. And, and that could be a difference on Sunday as well. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you are all subscribed wherever you get your podcast feeds. Uh, we give you seven podcasts a week. Uh, including Gotta Watch the Tape. I don't, you probably don't have your topic for Friday yet, Ellis, but if folks missed the one that went up yesterday, what, what did you talk about? Yeah, we uh, broke down what Odell Beckham Jr. meant to the Browns offense, sort of threw around the whole notion of uh, Baker's better without him. Um, both can be true. You can, Baker can be better without Odell, but the Browns offense can have a lower ceiling, and that's what we got into. All right, so that's, uh, we get two of those a week plus our daily pods. And our Friday Picks pod, as I mentioned yesterday, we'll all be uh, 
cleaning up the mess that we created with our picks last week. I haven't actually tallied them up, but I just, I feel like they didn't quite go the way we all wanted. Them oh, to. I'm bad again. Make sure the Browns had to miss an extra point at the end there. I mean, whatever. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Joey, Joey covers. Joey I don't covers. Know what we were all thinking. We, you, we knew it, Dan. What the man? We got burnt once and we were just like, eh, whatever. We'll do it again. <laughs> we'll Cody, again. I mean, come on, Cody. Seriously. <laughs> All right. Make sure you check out Football Insider. Head to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the details and signed up. For Ellis and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.